0: This is the Formation Lab.
1: All right, shirts off, engines on, bottles open. It's time for the Formation Lab here from the 101 ESPN Studios. We are the only podcast dedicated to racing on the internet, which is a fact it's only true if you don't look it up. I'm Luke. I'm all joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Tim. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing great.
2: Just really hoping the people that are listening don't have Google.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they don't. It's so hard to get anymore. And I will tell you, I stumbled on that intro a little bit because I didn't know who to introduce first. We have Tim, as always, but we also have our intrepid producer live from his radio lab. That is not a trademark term. His, his radio space lab, because Radio Lab's a company. Dylan is in the house.
0: Dylan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I am doing as good as I can be doing.
1: Well, that's just a really thrilling way to start. Yeah,
2: he he's at an eleven. We need it like a two. You're overwhelming us with your enthusiasm. Yeah,
0: I
1: can't. Hark, I have to like take my headphones hide, off here. I can't the control sharp, that. Let's hide I the still
2: haven't objects. gotten
0: over Harambe.
1: Oh, <laughs> rest in peace. Oh,
2: boy. Yeah, it's gonna be a long 2020 for you,
1: pal. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't gotten, it's 2021. First of all, no, but,
2: no. I'm saying he's back in like 2016. He's uh, that's be fair. That's time. fair.
1: If he hasn't been over Harambe, I will tell you what, he's also not over. Is Lando Norris and the tragedy of Russia, probably the greatest tragedy, tragedy and war of attrition that's ever happened on Ro- Russian soil. <laughs> Lando Norris in the twenty twenty one Russian Grand Prix this weekend. Oh my goodness, boys! I, I don't. We have stories. We have things to open with. I don't think we can avoid this one.
2: No, no, we can't. But we do need to start out um, uh, uh, with with a bit of an apology. I think Dylan and I both need to apologize to you, Luke, uh, for. M- making mischief I think is the best way to put it yes. with uh, our cursing when you were driving back uh it, Luke has for those uh, ladies and gentlemen at home that are not seasoned listeners of the show just apocalyptic luck when it comes to driving <laughs> and he had been driving for 12 hours um he also had some shenanigans that he got up to over the weekend um where he spent like 12 hours in the car but we didn't monkey with you at that point no no we didn't monkey uh but but we did make
1: mischief and we are sorry. We kind we of.
2: we well I mean we dropped like thorny. three cuss words.
1: If if you gave me like a percentage of how shy you are, Dylan.
0: How sorry are you? Yeah, what what's percentage are you at? Uh at the time probably a solid forty percent, but now like fifteen because it buffed out. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's high numbers for Dylan. <laughs> it was <laughs> a good time,
0: you know. It is.
2: And uh, yeah, I mean we, we, we did have some chuckles. Yeah. So oh. we are sorry at your expense because uh, we got we both got uh, some passive-aggressive uh, Snapchats of Luke <laughs> looking bleary-eyed going like, I can't believe you guys would do that to me.
1: Okay. I didn't send that bad, but I definitely did ham it up to make you guys like- Feel bad? Feel bad. Yeah. And that's why we're apologizing. But like legitimately though, uh, again, I don't care if you swear- Write down the timestamp. I'm not listening to an hour and a half of audio, I, I <laughs> waiting know. for every single thing.
2: I don't know how to do that. But here's the thing: if you see it in, n- in the immortal words of my neighbor
1: Scott, Tim, no, it'll buff.
0: <laughs> it always buffs out.
2: It's it always-
1: fading right there. You've used your one. All right, Thank it's you. the PG-13 you.
2: rating. You get one of these. Well, Dylan only felt, you know, somewhat sorry, so I had to do something. Okay, drop a little mm-hmm. little chestnut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but
1: it will buff. It will buff, unlike Lando Norris's... Actually, you know what? I think Lando Norris will be fine. Let's talk about the Russian GP. Uh,
0: Listen, listen. Okay. I don't care where you're at. If you're at home, that's preferable. I want you to take your pants off right now. I want you to go in your living room and light a candle. And I want you to put a little glass of water in front of that candle in memory of my hopes and dreams. And then I want you to go into your bedroom I want you to turn your upside down cross right side up. This, let me preface this. If you felt good after that race, after that finish, if you felt good in your heart, I want you to go in your bedroom and turn your upside down cross right side up. And then I want you to go into the bathroom and look in the mirror and I want you to wipe that clown makeup off. <laughs> you freaking joker. That was an awful, awful finish.
2: Dylan, that was a really long walk and a lot of steps like that, yeah. that's a lot yeah, of stuff I, yeah. I have to i have to write it all down
0: what was step six again listen my armpits are sweating thinking about it it was
2: <laughs> yeah if you if you in any way got joy out of the race you need jesus yeah. um so okay, it was okay it was can, brutal can
1: i separate this though because no. i got no joy out of the end of the race i was heartbroken also, when we do our end of year review, that is going to be one of my many contenders for race of the year because I will tell you right now, Lord Chaos was up to some up to some bull hockey, and and it's it actually is
2: following a was, routine where we are falling into this issue with a lot of races where the, it is a traditionally terrible track. Yep, and it produces an amazing race. Wh- I, what? How did the How did the Hungaro Ring produ- produce the race it did? How it, Monza at the last two years is better than it has any right to be. Yeah, and and then Sochi, Sochi, France. Sochi's was good? a joke. France wasn't half bad. Yeah. And I hate that track with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. I hate it, but the, it was it was really really good yesterday. The the race, the whole thing, up and down the field, it was really impressive. And you know. I- I was elated for Carlos Sainz to be on the second Mm -hmm, row. mm -hmm. I was elated for the the opening duel between him and Lando. The toe that that Ferrari got off the McLaren in the first few
1: turns. Holy guacamole. Uh,
2: How about Daniel
1: Ricciardo with a great finishing position, too? P4.
2: Yeah, P4. Not bad. It was a good uh, turnout for McLaren. McLaren is turning out to be really, really strong. And it's uh, really heartening to see. But they, they fall down when it comes to calls one strategy crucial calls. strategy call well one crucial st- strategy call and the foresight i think the foresight is the issue that was the difference between mercedes and mclaren
1: yeah um i so let's i let's just start off with the big question which is i mean lando norris and the foresight that came there how much of that is to blame on lando because i know a lot of people will come in and they'll say they asked lando if he wanted to pit for enters and he said no so they didn't and my right brain uh well my left brain goes okay well lando said no it's all on him then right but my right brain goes mercedes just straight told lewis hamilton you're pitting for enters you shouldn't have given that to the driver right because you know who you know what he doesn't have out there you know lando Norris doesn't have out there is anything that forecasts weather. you have that information you should not have given that decision to lando
2: but they didn't give lando that information So they gave that information to Lewis. They said it's going to get worse if Lando. I think the exact call was if Lando stays out, he's in trouble and you need to pit right now. McLaren said this is going, the weather is going to remain the same. It's your call. Yeah. So he thought with the grip that he had, he would have made it. And honestly, if it had not increased the rain at all between because it was only uh like wet on half the track so turns 5 and 7 were the wettest. Yeah. That's where you saw them losing all their grip and that was everybody was slip sliding everywhere. If they had if it had stayed just like that Lando would have won. But it didn't. It didn't. And it, that's the information that is the key piece where McLaren failed him.
1: I don't want to be mysterious. do Don't blame my boy Lando here, but also Lando made the decision that he shouldn't have had to have make Right, like it shouldn't yeah. have come down to him to do that, and also, he was as informed as he as McLaren let him be.
2: Correct, and that's that is the difference I think is that Mercedes kept their eye on the forecast and kept it up to date, and McLaren did not.
1: And McLaren didn't, and at the end of the day too, that that Mer- Mercedes team structure came through where you're Lewis Hamilton. I don't care if you're Lewis Hamilton, you're coming into pit for enters.
2: There is a there is a difference between a team that has been squandering in the back to midfield and trying to get back to the sharp end and one that has been dominating for the last 10 years.
1: Yeah. Dylan, what did you think of that, uh, of of that call?
0: Okay. So I think you do have to fault Lando and McLaren, but to an extent. So the sequence of radio between Lando and his team, right? It went loosely like this. Lots of cars going off. He replies, yes, shut up. He yells, yes, shut up. Uh They say, what do you think? He says, no. Hamilton has taken it. He has gone to enters. He says, we just got to commit to staying. And then a little bit later, he comes on and says, it's full wet, boys. So if you're familiar with Nagumo's dilemma, right, in World War II, it is deep basically. Cut. I was just saying, yeah. my <laughs>
2: jaw just dropped. We are going deep cut today. Yes. Go on. Okay.
0: So Nagumo's dilemma deals with the fog of war, right? It's where you have two difficult choices in a crappy situation. And then later on in hindsight, people look at it and say, well, that was a really stupid decision. And there was a clear cut path you should have taken. But when you place yourself in the shoes of Nagumo or Lando Norris, right? You have the fog of war around you. You don't have the the benefit of hindsight. And so for Lando one, he doesn't have radar, right? The team isn't feeding him as much information as they fed to Lewis, but Lewis also said no first, right? Whenever they called him in, he said no, but on the second time he, came in um but even whenever you're looking at the radar like with that few of laps left even if the leading edge of a storm is like right over the track that doesn't always mean that it's going to be full rain because sometimes it evaporates or depending on how the wind is pushing like you may not get a full on downpour even though the leading edge is like right there so i think it's just a crappy situation yes he definitely should have pitted he is a very confident and arrogant driver, which is why he's there. Like all of every every F1 driver has a bit of arrogance and a bit of overconfidence, right? You don't get to that level without having it. But I think at the end of the day, he was in a crappy situation being the leader. In second place car, it's a little bit easier to make that decision because I don't think Lewis is going to get around Lando, right? Like, So it's easier, I think, to make that gamble and say, all right, we're coming in, we're doing this, this is our shot, right? Um, but I think this will end up being a really beneficial thing for Lando and McLaren in the long run. I think having that kind of devastation in not fully listening to the team, but also the team not, I guess, jumping at that as much, I, I think they'll learn from this and overall improve.
1: I I think so too. I think you hit on something too, which is like it- – a. It's, it's not always easy to – it's not always correct to look at with hindsight, right? And there's another factor, too, where it's like it's not just the track calls for enters, right? There's another factor to that, which is what's the pit delta in Sochi? Probably 30, 35 seconds, right?
2: The undercut is very powerful in Sochi.
1: Right, because the pit, the pit you know, is, is long, right? So let's say the pit delta is 35 seconds, right? But you have four laps left. Unless you're losing like 9 to 10 seconds a lap, I mean, if you're 5 seconds a lap off the pace because you're on the wrong tires, well, you have 4 laps to go. That's still the fastest option is to remain out on the objectively incorrect tires, right? So even mm-hmm. if it was raining, even if it does start to come down, like you said, rain can show up, it can go away, it can this, it can that. It just was the wrong kind of rain as well, right? Where There's a justifiable reason to be like, okay, the track's going to swap to inters. You had, what, 35 seconds, 30 seconds, 20 seconds of a lead? Something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, you can let Lewis gain five seconds a lap or six seconds. I think the actual number that he had to be was uh, no more than eight seconds off the pace, which is totally achievable if you have the wrong tires in that situation.
2: In that situation, yeah. And, I mean, the, the rain just played monkey business with the whole weekend yeah and to be honest with you um i don't have a uh world war two battle theory uh to talk about but i will say that um you know uh, this i agree that it'll help mclaren in the long run in their ascendance they do need to be tempered a bit yeah you know, they are they are you know that that overconfidence can lead to a great failure um I'm sure that that is a battle theory that someone has, uh, but I'm not going to test it. <laughs> eh, Sun Tzu so, probably wrote it somewhere. So, yeah, I was going to say, Sun Tzu, maybe I'll go check out that Adam Parr book with uh, Ross Barron, because I think he waxes poetic about that the whole time. <laughs> that sounds um, exactly
1: like what he, what he would do. Exactly.
2: But um, but I think that it'll it'll definitely help McLaren in the yeah. long run. And
0: you know, They weren't the only ones to get the deci- decision wrong either. I think Aston Martin— originally told Vettel that the conditions would remain the same and then they changed rapidly so it it wasn't just McLaren interesting by the
1: way that we're all talking about three Mercedes powered teams or Mercedes line teams as well yeah we are um Uh, and then might uh, just be sheer happenstance but you can read into that if you want
2: real quick about Aston Martin did you guys see that they hired Martin Whitmarsh I did not. Go on. Uh, Martin Whitmarsh was, uh, for longtime fans of Formula One, the former team boss of McLaren uh, when Ron Dennis took the more, like, executive chairman role, and he stepped in, and he uh, presided over some championships and some really good seasons for McLaren, and he presided over the downfall as well. Yeah. So um, he he has some really interesting theories on management. Uh, the British press, obviously, thinks that it's going to be the second coming of Jesus um, and held past him, a- but I'm not so sure. Ooh
1: okay I mean that's interesting to me to me where Aston is right now I don't think they're moving up I don't think they're moving down they're alpha they're alpha Romeo where they're just there um so if it's a roll of the dice I can support a roll of the dice right like where how are you getting better if you're Aston Martin obviously the 2022 regulations are going to be one whole thing after another but I just don't see that team having any sort of upwards or downwards momentum. They're playing 500 baseball, right? So maybe you shake something up. Maybe it works out. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Speaking of uh, speaking of teams, though, that made changes, uh, back to McLaren a little bit, that is a rocket of a car. and I am only disappointed that we're going to see it up into Abu Dhabi and then we're going to have to get a whole new regulation because that McLaren, if that transferred into a next year's car, which it won't, right? That would be that would be a fun car to watch. My
2: take is that I think that with Mercedes power, McLaren is in good hands. I think so. And um, you know, Lewis Hamilton was very quick in the post race press conference when uh, he talked to Lando and he gave him the hug. He says, "It's so good to see McLaren doing well." And he said, McLaren, Mercedes doing well again. It's like, oh, nice. Yeah, n- nice. little dig. <laughs> nice little dig. Um, but I will say that uh, I think with the McLaren power unit and the rest of the intellectual might that they have in-house, that they should be fine in the new regulations. And especially with both Lando and uh, Daniel Ricciardo mm-hmm. having input, that'll be good. I think that Lando has had an overt amount of uh, input into the car, and it suits his driving style perfectly. And that's why Daniel Ricciardo's had such a hard time.
1: So moving on down, uh, is who's your MVP? Because I think this might be, I hate to say it because I hate when a driver starts and lasts and then moves up the field and people are like, driver of the day. Dude, you had a car that was by nature three seconds faster than every other car. Like, with a brand new engine. Yeah. But... I do think, though, that uh, Max Verstappen does earn a little bit of a kudos for his P2 finish. That weekend, this weekend, should not have been a P2 for Max. And by nature of driving effectively, he didn't put on a clinic out there, right? I mean, he did what the Red Bull is capable of doing and flung himself past a Williams. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> but by nature of that, and also a brilliant strategy call, he comes in with a P2, which. Keeps the championship close. Not that it wasn't already, but uh, I was a good, good, good run. Dylan, are you like, what'd you think about Verstappen's drive?
0: Well, I want to say the MVP is devil magic. And to anyone who's not familiar with what devil magic is, in Cardinal baseball, right? Cardinals are known jokingly, obviously, maybe. Uh, to have devil magic where they make these ridiculous comebacks in the weirdest circumstances that like should not be possible but things somehow just play out in front of them and they end up winning championships or like you know making big playoff runs it seems like this year there's been devil magic that has kept Lewis and Max neck and neck like no matter what happens like you look at the the retirements and like all the craziness that's happened so far this year and yet they are still so close it's just devil magic right like that rainfall without that Max was what was he running like 7 I think maybe?
1: you I think Six? you went P7 to P2 uh yeah, yeah in the rain yeah
0: yeah so but devil you know magic. it it was <laughs> devil
2: magic you know who my actual driver of the day is
1: who is George Russell George Russell is Dylan I think you put it best you told me this the other day you want to you want to say what you think about George Russell
0: I don't remember. Uh, he, so, so,
1: he, <laughs> so he comes to me, um, I believe it was on Saturday after qualifying. I say a lot of crap. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's why we love you. <laughs> but uh, he comes to me on Saturday, and we're out uh, at the uh, at the Midwest Nationals uh, NHRA event over, in, over at Worldwide Technology Raceway, which is an awesome, awesome time. We have stories from there later. Stories that are very pertinent to this podcast, not just about, like, drag racers, which we love, but people that you guys will know (laughs) um anyway he comes to me and the first thing he says is he goes he goes do you catch up on qualifications and i said yeah and he goes he goes george russell is going to be a problem next year he's going to be a whole issue for mercedes
2: he if anybody thinks if anybody is sitting at home thinking that he will show any modicum of respect or deference or, in any way, be a, like a one b driver to Lewis Hamilton. you're a fool you're you're kidding yourself. yeah, he is going to be the biggest issue. It is going to be the biggest fight since Rosberg Hamilton and
1: not just an issue for Mercedes, an issue for the rest of the field because he's doing that in a Williams that it's very easy to forget. Is still a hunk of junk. It's just slightly less so compared to where it could have been in, like, 2019. It like, it's had, not
2: a good car still. It's had the same dashboard setup with their steering wheel and dashboard since 2013. <laughs> yes. They haven't Oof. updated it at all. And it's it, it is spectacular what he's able to do. The fact that he's qualified in the top five twice mm-hmm. since the summer break is insanity. Even though, yes, its rain was involved, but he still has the talent to put it up there. And if anybody thinks, I mean, it's going to be a whole lot like, uh, you know, the the Botas uh, fight last year in uh,
1: uh, Botas fight in was it was it Sochi last no, year? No,
2: it was uh, Bahrain. Sorry, yeah, there yep, we go, there Bahrain. We go. Yep, the 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 duel where he showed absolutely no quarter to Valtteri it'll be the same with Lewis, absolutely guaranteed. And it'll be elbows out, you know, knives out type of driving. He will go, go for the kill. Um, Just
0: think of the race craft that he's developed driving in that Williams for so long. Like he has been pushing that car to the absolute limit for so long and, like, squeezing every bit of performance out of that car. And he That had, is going to pay dividends.
2: And in in the first stint, he held his own. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He was really doing quite well defensively. No one could get around him, and he wasn't that far off the pace. I think he was about seven seconds back at any one given time, and I'm just – I was sitting there completely flabbergasted. I mean, Lewis wasn't exactly driving inspired. He was doing keeping his powder dry because he – kind of roasted it uh, back in baku uh, trying to overdo it and actually roasted it breaks <laughs> so he's really playing a conservative right now because he wants to win the championship but he's going to want to win the championship again next year if he loses this year yeah. which is a distinct possibility at this point point. and george is going to take it to him and that is you, look, dylan's exactly right it is it is a racecraft that he's developing in a dog of a car yeah and he's he's lethal
1: he has, he has, he's never driven, I mean, outside of obviously Bahrain last year, He'd never driven a car quite like the Mercedes. And I can only imagine that, you know, as things get faster and in a lot of the aspects, they get harder, but not when you've been driving the Williams. It's going to get a lot easier to drive uh, the the Mercedes, which will allow him to shine through. Here's a stat for you, all right? And I found this uh, at F ones S-E-C-T-E-U-R underscore F1. In the last six races, okay, Checo Perez has scored 16 points. George Russell has scored 16 points as well over the last six races. One of these is in widely considered to be the fourth fastest car on the grid. Um, Fourth fastest car, second fastest team. Let's clarify that. Uh, Fourth fastest car on the grid. The other one is a car that's still not, it's better. It's not the worst car on the grid, right? But I would say it's probably what we would say the fifth worst car on the grid uh two haas two alphas uh latifi than george
2: i would i would actually put it right on par with the alpha okay because i think on its day kimmy could probably do pretty well with it they're a solid mid-pack team yeah um, george has just been taking the williams far 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 beyond its yeah. true capabilities far beyond yeah. what it deserves to do
0: yeah They've got it together, Williams does. You know, they <clears throat> they don't have the best car, but, like, as an organization, like, even their pit stops are always phenomenal, right? So I think that's their their strength is that they're a really strong core group, right? But they obviously don't have the best car, but that's what I think... That's why you see the improvements out of them year over year lately and why they've been consistently good for what they are, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think there is something... To be said about the organizational structure of that team because they don't seem they seem like they're on their way up as compared mm-hmm. to the disaster piece that is Haas or the you know that, uh, do people even work for Alpha Romeo?
2: Um, I don't know. And to be honest with you, I'm curious as to who's going to get the second seat I, and who's going to pay more because it sounds like uh, Guan Yu is mm-hmm. going to get it, even though he may not be the most deserving driver.
1: But he's got he's got two things: one, he's got money, and two, I let me finish this statement before you hop on the Twitter hate train Two, he's Chinese, right? So he's got the support of a huge nation of fans, a huge nation of financial resources who will throw their money to back uh, a driver, right? He's Chinese in the same way that like, oh, there's a good driver and he's American. <laughs> there's a market, right? There's a market for that. Well, um, and
2: that's, that's probably why Yuki Sonoda got Extended is because right. the Japanese fans deserve a driver. <laughs>
1: they deserve a driver, and uh, let me tell you, if you're a driver in Japan, you are a celebrity. Takuma Sato gets doesn't pay for a drink anywhere in Japan. That is not a joke. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know what? You know what? Alpha Romeo is all mm. right as uh, they come in this weekend uh, with a P16 for Giovinazzi and a P8 for Kimi Raikkonen. Sheesh. uh Let me. Uh, you know, you know what though? When well, you know what they are, okay, is uh. Have you ever been to Disney World, right, and you're on, like, Main Street USA, and you're like, oh, look at all the little Main Street shops. Or maybe you're in Six Flags, and you're like, oh, look at all the little shops. And then you realize, like, there's one door that actually is a real door on this building, and this building looks like it should be, like, 1,000 square feet, but it's actually, like— you know, five hundred, and this whole thing is fake. It's a, it's propped up on the back. It's a fake wall. It's a fake. This, that is what Alfa Romeo is, right? Because it's like we're a Formula One team, but then when you like peek back, it's like, does anybody work here, dude? I see a car and I see drivers. Do, who else is here? Anybody? Fred vassar no? <laughs> is
2: somewhere with his two assistants.
1: Yeah, yeah. he's he's at the <coughs> checkout of like the little tiny gift shop that is in the middle of the main street. <laughs> I'd, that is that is, but my random tangent uh, analogy of the day. I got to get one out of me. You I was know? gonna
2: say that that was that was interesting. I mean, I haven't thought about Disney World in a very long time, mostly because it's hideously expensive to go to.
1: Oh, it is. Don't get me started. And I Don't have kids. Let's let's move on. Uh, to do you want to talk about Ricardo or signs? Let's talk about signs. What? We've
2: talked a lot about McLaren. Let's talk about Carlos Sainz, who qualified P2, Mm -hmm. um, which is awesome. Ferrari's been bringing some upgrades, and they've been bringing the heat. Um, Both look pretty good. Uh, Charles Leclerc had some engine upgrades this weekend, so he took some engine penalties. Yeah. Starting in the back. Um,
1: And we'll see how that pays off. Where did he finish again? uh, Charles Leclerc finished P15, of course, Sainz, on the podium in P3. And, I mean, it's just he
2: did a phenomenal job for what everything was Mm -hmm. so um i i think he had an outstanding overall weekend his overtake and then he kind of floundered at the back during the pit stops uh he was his back left i believe stuck on so he was kind of left in no man's land and a ton of traffic yeah so lando came back out and took retook the lead pretty easily after the first round of pits but um carlos did great
1: Daniel Ricardo, most underappreciated driver of the day. On three, everybody. Tim, one, two, three. Most underappreciated driver, mm. Daniel Ricardo. Hmm. Thanking. Dylan? Maybe? Maybe? Um.
0: Yeah, because no one really talked about signs, but he had such a <clears throat> signs had such a, like, I don't know, just a quiet day. Like, he didn't do anything bad or, like, flashy good. He was just there, and so no one really talked about signs either, but I, I, about the, the,
2: that first stint where he took off, where he took off and beat Lando uh, with the with yeah, that yeah. toe, that was pretty that, flashy. Yeah,
1: that was actually was that was flashy. That, that was good. showed
2: a, that showed some good instinct, and the Ferrari gapped by about two seconds, so that was good. Um, so I would yeah. say, yeah, he was underappreciated. The, they just left him alone. I didn't really see a whole lot of him beyond that.
1: No. Uh, so I had one other thing I wanted to bring up here, and this is more so about something that played into the race than the actual race itself. Are we all on the same page of absolute despising these new uh, pit stop regulations and rule sets? Yes, this is stupid.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, it gave us uh, the Monza incident, right? That's true. That was that was cool. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> was it worth it though?
0: Was it <laughs> <laughs> a soul for a soul? <laughs> oh,
1: I, so I I find, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. The Mercedes protested the FIA and said that the, the go signal that Red Bull gives on all their insanely fast pit stops um, doesn't take into factor human reaction times, and it's something like less than 0.2 seconds or something, right, or so, something like that. So basically, they changed it to where each individual wheelman has to click a switch after they're done with their job, and only then will the go signal. Uh, give it maybe after a delay too. I am not super clear on it, but like
2: yeah, the, I think the lollipop. It used to be the lollipop man that would stand there with it, and, and then they could go. Yeah, um, and then it it turned into the the red light green light uh, system, and yeah, to my understanding, they each have to press a button, and then sometimes if your system's not set up. Perfectly, it does, There is a delay, um, which can go, which can cost you upwards of a, a full second. So yeah. I know, like uh, Aston Martin had a problem with it, and all the wheelmen were up, and they'd hit their switches, and everybody would just kind of looked at each other for half mm-hmm. a second, and it took like a 4.8 second
1: yeah. pit stop. If you if you want fun pit stops and you want chaos, just use the IndyCar rules. Don't mess with the F1 rule, <laughs> right? Like just. IndyCar is so much fun. I love IndyCar pit stops. I'm sorry, guys. Moving on.
0: uh, How many problems were there with the old, like, how often, aside from Haas, how many loose wheels were there and stuff in F1? Like, like, why 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 did this come
2: about? It came about because of the same, it's gamesmanship. Yeah. A big advantage that Red Bull had was their pit stop. They were consistent and they were excellent being under two seconds. They have the DHL fastest pit stop of the year at 1.88 seconds. Um, so in order to get any single advantage they can, Mercedes went to the FIA and said, Hey, these guys aren't taking this into consideration. You should really change this.
1: Or I think they, I think they accused them of fudging numbers because they're like the wheelman can't like, you couldn't have theoretically said you're all clear between the time that the work actually stopped and the light that the, and the time that the light went green. Right. Cause we calculate, calculate human reaction times are, Like 0.2 seconds, right? Which means that in order to get a sub 0.2, that means you're actually hitting okay before work is complete on the car, right? You're going on yellow, as they would say in drag racing, right?
2: Right. And so they they essentially proposed a hypothetical. Hypothetical. And, you know, it's kind of like when Red Bull figured out what Ferrari was doing and went to the FIA and said, hey, hypothetically, if we had a device like this, what would you say? And they said, oh, you'd be totally busted. And then all of a sudden, Ferrari goes, Ferrari. <laughs> and Friday, can, and I, then they have a sealed document. So it's yeah. stuff like that. It's gamesmanship outside the track. Um, yeah, it's just
0: awful.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's the worst. Well, I mean, I get it. And it's made for more lively stuff. I Do I think it's stupid? Absolutely. But is it the worst thing in the world? No. no.
1: I I don't know. I Part of me goes, this is stupid. The other part of me goes like, why do you like IndyCar and NASCAR stops better, right? And I think both Dylan and I are on the same page is because you do you do more with less, which mm-hmm. incites chaos. Half the time you're on a pit window, somebody has mm-hmm. something ridiculous happen, right? And
2: one of the top employers for former uh, college football players is NASCAR <laughs> because it's, you know, it's brute force you got to go with. And that, that would actually kind
1: of be a lot of fun.
2: It would uh, be to see introduced in the Formula One, being like, "Hey, you know what? You gotta be in shape." For, forget, forget
1: 1.88 seconds. All right, we're gonna be like five-second pit stops, but we are going to make it absolute hell on whoever the wheel gun man is because he is going to have eight jobs to do, and it is going to be chaos.
0: Mm-hmm. I will die on this grave that NASCAR pit stops are by far the most spectacular and hardest pit stops in all of racing because one, they don't have a pit button. They have to literally, they don't even have a speedometer. They go down pit road and they set their RPM gauge based on what gear they're in and they set that RPM gauge. So you have to gauge your RPMs to make sure you're at pit speed. And if you go over, then you're busted, right? And then you've got lug nuts, right? You got to take off and you don't even put all the lug nuts on because they figured out that you can get away with just running one less lug nut, right? So in your pit stops, you're not even hitting all the lug nuts, but that means if you miss a second lug nut that it's not tight all the way, the wheels going to be loose and you're going to have to come in and your race is ruined. So like, it's so precise. I don't know. And NASCAR pit stops are great. And then they make adjustments on the car. Like they put wedge in it and stuff like in the pit stop, it's crazy.
2: And you know, in the immortal words of Juan Pablo Montoya, NASCAR has no brakes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have, you well, know, the brakes are so small. did he say that, or
1: are we judging him by his words or his actions on that? Both? Well, his words,
2: because <laughs> yes. that's what he told Richard Hammond in the Top Gear episode when he was talking about, yeah, I have no brakes, because the car is so big and the brakes are so small, It may as well you may as well not have them. And All
0: that's going to go away next year, though. Rest in peace. They're going to do a single lug. We have, what, okay. what was crazy with NASCAR, though, is that, they put like mandatory pit guns for all the teams. Cause some teams are paying well over a hundred thousand dollars a year on air gun technology to like improve the RPMs of the air guns. So they made it standardized to reduce costs. And right when that happened, pit stops went up to like 14 seconds and now they're back down to like 12 seconds, which is faster than or the, it's right at where they were with the old pit guns. So they've managed to like make up the time anyway. It's just crazy.
1: Um, so we actually do have kind of a NASCAR story, uh, but we, before we get there, I want to give, I want to hear you guys is, I know, I know you're heartbreaking for Lando. Dylan, I know you're heartbreaking for Lando. Remove your heartbreak out and look at only entertainment. Hey. Dylan.
0: Man. That's the thing. All right. If I'm going from, oh God, Okay. It was a good race. It was a good race. I'll That's give awkward. it about a B plus.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna B give plus? it an A just because I hit every emotion, and it was down to the last three or four laps to where the, everything was decided. Yeah, I think that was Lady Chaos, and it was great. A.
1: I'm also giving it giving it an A. I think I spoiled this earlier. I said when we go through our like end of year uh, superlative awards this is a legitimate candidate to me for race of the year despite the Hamilton for stop and finish uh
2: ah, for me that's Monza
1: I know I know Monza is a big one too Monza's nuts my thing with Monza is how like solid it was the whole way through whereas this one that was that was one of the greatest 10 minutes of racing I've seen in a long time <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> that was that was just. Gut wrenching. Yeah. I just. Oh,
1: it, it'll be it'll be on it. I, I haven't made my mind up on it if it is, but it'll be on the list of on the short list of awards, and I'm sure you guys can agree it'll have a honorable mention if not winning outright. Yeah. Um. Here's here's another question, real quick. Uh, more action in this in these final ten laps of the Sochi GP than every other Russian Grand Prix combined. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not even close. Not even close. Mm-hmm. I, I I would I would agree as well. I put. Pl- in fact, I the last that, ten I laps have yeah
2: it, <laughs> have more action in them by ten.
1: <laughs> by ten. Yes. Yeah. The, the, there <laughs> has been
2: no action ever at Sochi. No. Uh, Except for this year, which hey.
1: How how funny is it that how how F one is it that we finally get a good season right? We're about to change the rigs, right?
2: Because that's the way it goes every single and, time.
1: And then we get. A good Sochi right when we say, okay, we're getting away from this track. We're going to go to Igora Drive, which I'm sure is going to – I have no opinions on the track, but I'm sure because of the way it works out, it's going to absolutely suck the first time we go there. Oh, yeah. 100%. (sighs) All right. So an A, a B, an A. uh, ABBA. Yeah. We're ABBA here. Let's move on to kind of news from the racing world at large. Yes. Uh, I know our IndyCar fans will be like, IndyCar, IndyCar, IndyCar. First off, we would like to send our congratulations to Alex Pillow, yes. Uh winner of uh, the IndyCar Championship, the Aster Cup. What a season he had. We will break that down next week because we have a guest coming. I don't want to confirm it because I haven't confirmed it with him, but you know who it is. You know who it is, Mr. I- We're going to give him... Thirty seconds to sit there and give a smug look on his face, a Clarkson-esque smug look on his face, because he's like, "Don't sleep on Alex Pillow." And I think both you and I said, "Really?" Yeah, we're like, "Ah, I mean, you know, top five,
2: maybe, but really, really, okay, yeah." Um, but uh, but yeah, no, uh,
1: we were wrong. We were wrong. Uh, Indy go
2: easy on us next. Yeah, week, come man. on,
1: man, come on, please, just come on. Uh. Uh, Roman Grosjean confirmed to Andretti. We broke that a while back ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And
2: he'll be the DHL-sponsored
1: driver? I believe he's the DHL-sponsored driver. Uh, Dylan's nodding his head. Yep, number 28. Number 28. So
2: he'll Um, uh, be—the ad they did to announce him was a bit on the nose, um, you know, with everybody showing their hands on the packages and then his burnt hands. It's just like, okay— I know that you know that he was in a car accident. You know that's good lord. Could you put a finer point on it? <laughs> it's
0: like the Anakin Skywalker hand of racing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever.
1: Uh, it, it was. Uh, one one fact for the for the F1 viewers. Uh, numbers belong to teams in most American motorsports, so that is why his number is not following him across team lines because Rick Ware Racing still owns the number that he currently runs, whereas Andretti owns his new number um only on only under under like exceptional circumstances
2: why was i thinking dale coin
1: uh it, it is it's dale coin racing with rick ware racing oh right right okay yeah um because we have those uh Andretti with Harding Steinbrenner, <laughs> races, races.
2: I don't know if the listeners can actually audibly hear my eyes rolling at that, <laughs> but it, that's what's happening. Do you
1: not like Steinbrenner?
2: No, I don't like all the shenanigans <laughs> with the with the own the team names, the the sponsors, because it'll be DHL for a little bit until it's a an Alzheimer's. Uh, medication. <laughs> we can only know.
1: pray that it's an Alzheimer's medication. That can't come soon enough. But it's
2: it's going to be one of those things where DHL will be a sponsor most of the time until it's something else. Until and it's I not. can't take it anymore.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, also, uh, uh, Simon Pagino uh, going to Meyer Shank Racing. Uh, Dylan sent me that one. Dylan, do you have a? I, I think that's a good move.
0: I mean, now Meyer Shank will have the past two of the last three Indy 500 winners. Right. Right. Isn't? Uh, yeah. So. I think that's good for Meyer Shank, which is clearly a step down from, from Penske. I mean, basically going to any team other than Penske, Ganassi, you know, would be a step down. Uh, But I think that's good for Meyer Shank because that will bring a lot of sponsorship dollars. Really Pagino is another big name. So I I think overall it's a a great move for them and it's, it's not a bad car. So I think it's a good place for Pagino to land. I think it'll be a good fit overall.
1: Uh, Sebastian, well, Sebastian Bourdais uh, is, uh, is going to run IndyCar part-time next year. He'll run IMSA full-time. IMSA, of course, way less of a busy schedule than IndyCar. Um, So he'll split his time between those two. You want to talk about another good interview. Sam Fagino is a great, great interview. Good to talk to. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais, and I, I don't know if this is public knowledge, so I probably shouldn't be saying this, but all of our listeners. Oh, f- now it's weird. And that's what Sebastian Bourdais did for St. Louis. Why did why did we why wh- no your audio didn't cut out there. We just realized midway through that that oh that's right. My my good friend over at the track told us that that wasn't for public consumption. So whoops. Yeah, but journalistic integrity, folks.
2: <laughs> Don't worry, uh racing folks, if you tell us something we will keep that secret even if we have to make an embarrassing edit.
1: Yeah, right there. Um but that was it's okay though because that was nothing more than a segue into yes. Dylan was not able to join us last week, and Dylan has been – Dylan introduced me to uh, – well, he was one of, like, the elder statesmen of racing that really helped me get into racing. Dylan was into racing before I was. Oh, my God,
2: Dylan. He's so, starting to make the age jokes about you now. I
1: know. Well, you know.
2: Usually that's <laughs> reserved for my old ass.
1: Don't think you're not an old ass. Anyway, both old hey, and an ass. Fox. <laughs>
0: silver Fox. That's okay, what I'm saying. All
1: right. Fine. There you go. Dylan Anderson
0: Cooper. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
1: I wanted to get Dylan's input on the big news that we hit last week. I got emotional um, with Worldwide Technology Raceway getting a Cup date. Dylan has, I mean, he grew up a NASCAR fan. He's he been to been to Gateway until I started working there. Way way more than I did. So, Dylan, what are your thoughts on uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway getting uh, a Cup date? #Hashtag CupTimeSTL. Buy your tickets now.
0: So I am like freaking excited, Like I get, I, I am very sentimental about worldwide technology raceway. Um, I started going there, I think in 2003 or so for a, a NASCAR truck race, right? I grew up in a really white trash area and grew up white trash. I grew up a massive NASCAR fan before I started to kind of expand out and before the sport kind of started to go downhill a little bit, but the facility there, if i'm gonna be honest sucked like it was crappy it was hard yeah. to get in and out um there was just it was it was not owned by the current ownership group um i don't want to put anyone on blast but the previous ownership group just did not put any care in it right now that curtis francois owns it he's like physically there at the track often right and like he, it's his personal touch to the track like the, the every single year there's improvements to it right and for them to land a cup day and to land an IndyCar extension and title sponsorship extension for, I believe, five more years is so cool. Because I remember being a little kid in 2003, sitting in the Wallace grandstands watching a truck race, and there was like nobody there. There was no reason for the Wallace grandstands to be open. Like the fans had already at that point started to abandon it. Even when the track first opened, the very first NASCAR, uh, at the time it was called the Bush series, now the Xfinity series, when they raced there, The track surface started to come up, right? It was really hot. It had just been paved and they did not give it enough time. And the track surface started to come up and they had to red flag it numerous times. If you go back and watch the early, the very first IndyCar race there, there is lime all over the track because it was not cured in time. And so they had to put lime there to absorb all the oil that was coming up. It was like the the whole track is white. Basically, it's been a neglected track from the beginning and now somebody is stepping in and has attracted nascar which in north america is as big as it gets when it comes to racing so like even though i'm not a huge nascar fan anymore the fact that the track is getting a cup date is huge financially and for them to lock down an extension with indycar like that place is going to thrive i couldn't be happier
2: and You know it's also it's i I said it last week i'll say it this week the midwest like right here in the heart of the midwest is such an underserved borderline abused market yeah you know they come from 10 different states you know that it's it it, and it's yeah i couldn't agree more the new ownership actually shows genuine love and care into all the facilities and then they partner with the right sponsors so bomberito comes in and no expenses spared at any time. Bomberito
1: the- is the best promoting sponsor <laughs> on the entire IndyCar calendar. That is not a joke. It is that not, is not, a, not, it's not hyperbole. an exaggeration
2: that is not hyperbolic. That's just a fact. And it's it's re- it really is kind of beautiful to see, you know, a really good party thrown, a really good sponsor had at a really, you know, uh, well-maintained, cared-for track Um you know, in the whole system. Yeah. It's absolutely massive. I can't even be more excited. I'm, I'm excited for NASCAR for the first time since Carl
0: Edwards retired. (laughs) Come on. Even John Bomerito, he, so like you, it's the track is sponsored by a a car dealership group, right? Or the races. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The races. And like Mr. Bommarito is not just like some schmoozy car dealer owner right like he is genuinely like at those races walking around like smiling waving at people thanking people for being there like he is a hardcore race fan he finds like
1: he's yeah i was gonna say he finds racers that like have local ties like jordan anderson hashtag friend of the show and uh he's like not only can i slap my sponsorship on you for this race while you're in the town can i sponsor you for the entire season so when you're in daytona like 18 hours from st louis you're going to have a Bomberito thing on, on, you know, Bomberito paint scheme. Oh, what's that? Do you want uh, so-and-so? Yeah, why don't we throw a on, uh ad on you for the whole season? Maybe not a full livery, maybe just a logo here and there, but you're going to get that money when you're racing California, 30-hour drive from here. Uh, he He's a race fan. He really does care. And then when you talk to him, too, like I talked to him just as like, oh, you know, nice to meet you. I appreciate what you do for this. And he said, he said, he said plug me all you want. Uh, that's fine, but never forget to plug the race. Let's make this event as big as it is. Let's plug the race, plug the race, plug the track, let's build this thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
2: And you know, that's it's just awesome.
1: It is it is awesome. So uh yeah, so again, I know you guys heard that me get sentimental last week, but uh it's a it's a big deal. It is a big, big deal. Speaking of shenanigans at Worldwide Technology Raceway and NASCAR and uh IndyCar, because he was an IndyCar. I, I had a little story happen to me over the weekend. Um do you guys would you guys like to hear? Would you like to hear um my drag racing story or would you like to hear my
0: WWT Raceway story first? Oh. You
1: guys both That's know tough. what they are. Yeah. Yes.
0: Make sure you tell the story of the chips too.
1: Yeah, okay. Yep. So we're <laughs> we're going to start we're going to start with uh we're going to start with uh with my misadventure to tulsa so shout out to the midwest drag racing series because I'm, I'm not even joking uh you can look right now tim at my at my whatsapp right there okay yes the midwest drag racing series is currently roasting me for the uh hey the Throwdown of in t-town is this weekend yep. not la- not no, last weekend you are getting roasted because on uh on wednesday i drove to tulsa oklahoma for a race that i thought i was going to do that weekend and i fat fingered the date And it was (laughs) next it was like this coming weekend. So I drove to Tulsa I drove six hours to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was on the Will Rogers Turnpike, which is a toll road, and I had to pay five dollars to get on the toll road. I was twenty minutes outside the track, and I go, Hey, my ETA is this, and Ellen goes, Sweetie, dear, honey, the event's next weekend.
2: (laughs) Now now here's the thing, is that we got some goofy giggles out of that back here in St. Louis. Me and Dylan both did. Um, oh, yeah. And we started texting back and forth being like, is this the most Luke thing ever? <laughs> because it could be the most yeah. Luke thing ever. Because you put on the, the, the sad snaps again on your Snap story. Um, for anybody on Twitter that wants to see them, uh, let's peer pressure him into posting them. <laughs> but... Uh, but he's like, and then, you know, he he went to his sad and then and then it was, it was it was the next weekend, and I'm just too, I, I, I messed that it up. Exactly that is not how mine went. That's exactly how it was.
1: I, I believe my quote there was, no I'm like, I'm, like I'm just going to laugh about it, because that's all I can do.
2: You're just going to have to post it onto Twitter and prove these people wrong, because otherwise they're going to say thank you to the sad sack. It was
1: gone the second I sent it. <laughs>
2: Likely story. Anyway, um, and then uh, Dylan and I uh, uh, took our girl, our girlfriends out, uh, Christina and Kaysen, uh, for uh, like a double date thing. And all of a sudden Luke starts texting us, and we're like, what in the world is happening?
1: All caps text, so you all know it was important. All caps
2: text, and we're like, why is he screaming? So tell us that story, because you're, as bad as that luck was...
1: You got some better luck. Yeah, it's actually great that I was in St. Louis this weekend because I got to see the wonderful Midwest uh, Nationals at the NHRA, the big show they put on, and uh, I was leaving that event, and Dylan was actually with me when I was leaving this event. And we had a we had a sponsorship by Taki's Chips, right? And we pull out, and, like, this, the, one of the Gateway girls, one of the girls I know, uh, one of, like, our promotion team, right? Like, the girls who, like, throw stuff into the crowds. She goes, hey, how many boxes— of takis do you want i'm like
0: we were thinking like bags because they were holding bags too We're like oh a free bag of chips and she says boxes and i'm like <laughs> a bo-
1: i'm like I'll, I'll take a box sure and she's like you yeah, sure that's it and i'm like there's like six bags in this
0: box yeah i think i'm good they wanted us to take all the boxes yeah, they were trying to get rid of all yeah, of them
1: oh uh, yeah and she saw my she saw my like staff thing and she was like and I recognize her from around, and she's like, "Oh, this guy will take some. I'm like, I'm not doing you any favors. I'll take him one box <laughs> in like three bags." <laughs> anyway, so I have to take Dylan out to, to where he parked, kind of outside the track. Um, Which, WWT race, so you didn't hear that. I definitely didn't do that. I paid I, for I, parking. Yeah, right.
2: And I definitely won't. I'll I'll wait until off air to make my joke.
1: Uh, anyway, so I, ta- I thought it
2: was funny. <laughs> okay, so it ta- warmed my heart.
1: I take him to the. Uh, I take him to the parking lot. He's in and. Uh, I'm driving back, and I go, oh, you know what? The boys at the KartPlex, uh, the cart track that we have here, they've been working hard because the cartplex is open to the public during the NHRA weekend. They've been slammed. I know most of them there. I know basically every employee there. So, like, yeah, I'll run this by. they are a bunch of college kids or racers that are trying to, you know, save money. They will take a large box of chips, right? And I take it over there, and... Keith Scharf, uh, who's a, he's a former USAC racer, actually, he goes, hey, Luke, we got a private car to eat party here. Do you want to announce the B main and the A main event? And I go, sure. And so I'm I'm not on the clock. I just turn on the microphone, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, hey, so after this, you warmed up? Yeah. After this, we got a group coming in. I'm like, was it past closing? He's like, I'll tell you about it in a second. And it's at that moment where he walks away, and I turn to the left, and inside of the uh, inside of the Cartplex office, that is none other than, t- than Tony Stewart, Smoke himself, is standing there. I turn to Keith, and I go, "Is that Tony bleeping Stewart inside of the Cartplex?" He goes, "Yeah, you want to announce that race for us?" "Yes, yes, I very much do."
2: <laughs> so instead of going and announcing drag racers, you got to announce. Tony Stewart returning to his open wheel roots in uh-huh. a go-kart. In a go-kart, right.
0: Um these are fast go-karts too. This isn't like just some little like arcade go-karts. Like these are very fast go-karts. Yes. They, yeah,
2: they are highly tuned. This isn't your swing around Fun Town go-kart. This yeah. is <laughs> yeah.
0: How this do you is, live? that? Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is more hardcore. They
1: do they do 55 to 60 depending on the exit you get uh out going into the back stretch. Like like you have dirt, dirt, one and a two and a half braking zones. One and a half, but one of them is actually like a full lift, and you you drift to you to slow yourself down instead of use the brakes. So it's technically kind of a slowdown zone, but not a braking zone. There you go. Anyway, uh, so Tony Stewart, uh, Tony Stewart, it was phenomenal. I have logged probably fifteen hundred laps there, like legitimately, and my all-time record is at that point was a thirty-eight forty-six. Tony Stewart comes in in his first ever race at the at the track, okay? He knows nothing about where it goes. He didn't even see the North Pole, so he went into that whole complex blind on the first lap. And he goes, all right, 42, and then he goes 41, and then he goes 39, 8, and then he goes 39, 7, 39, 5, 39 2. Over the course of 17 laps, he came, again, within eight hundreds of my best ever time and i've run 1500 laps
2: <laughs> it's it's almost like he's a professional <laughs>
1: and I, I i'm like I, I i told i walked up to him I'm like i know you probably get like fangirls and i'm that's not my thing i'm like it's just incredible to watch you like be that fast that immediately like i'm like it was awesome because every time he crossed i was like oh and he shaves off another tenth and another tenth and a half second and another tenth. um but uh it was it was awesome uh he was with uh, everybody at Don Schumacher Racing, which is a, a very, very large drag racing outfit, Uh seemed to be purchased by Antron Brown. His fiancee, Leah Pruitt, races for them. So he was with all of their, you know, people over there. Their entourage. Yeah, their entourage. Well, not just not their entourage. He was with like the pit members, like a couple of the guys. They had you know soot all over their face, or not soot, but you know, schmutz. Schmutz all over their face. It was it was fun would you believe that Tony Stewart in the second race, so he did a qualifying and then we did a race, grids up, he goes, no, 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 I qualified first, but I'm going to start in the back row. Finishes second. He finished second. He he Verstappened? He Verstappened. He he hassled a guy named Jimmy the entire time, <laughs> ironically enough. Um, he hassled a guy named Jimmy the entire time. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, so, so Tony Stewart, the headline, Starts starts last, ends up second. Hassles some guy named Jimmy. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, he has a long history of hassling guys named Jimmy. We'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah,
0: <that's laughs> Newspaper headline: Local man Jimmy holds off smoke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even. It was. It was. He was uh, one of the mechanics for Dot. So he was. He was one of the. He knew how to drive. I'll give him. I'll give Jimmy that. Well, you would have to 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 outdo Tony. I think Tony was playing with him so much, though. He was. Oh, he probably, was playing. How with many times champion is he? Uh, three. Three-time, Three-time champion, champion. Uh, open wheeled veteran. Yeah, no. for twenty some odd IndyCar races. Anyway, uh, one of the greatest drivers of a generation across uh, almost any discipline. So yeah, but uh, yeah. So but here's the here's the rub, guys. All right. Yes. He was in a race the second time, right? But so he was hassling for position, so he didn't get a clean fast lap, which means that I am eight still eight hundredths of a second quicker than <laughs> Tony Stewart.
2: I'm not sure if we should clap right now. Dylan's clapping. Yeah, Dillon's Dillon's clapping. clapping.
0: Yeah, there's your You minute. know, listen, it's been a hard couple of years. And, <laughs> and sometimes, especially when when you drive out to Tulsa for no reason, sometimes <laughs> in life it's the little things.
2: When you drive yeah. out to Tulsa, when your two buddies cuss up a storm and leave it to you to fix it. Uh at
1: like at like 10 o'clock at night in the middle of Michigan after you've called 18 hours of drag. That was not a, that's that's not an overstatement. That that was hilarious. Um, And
0: can I say something? Yeah. In MMA, in the MMA, you know, the people that don't know the UFC, right. Community, there's a thing called MMA math, right. Where you'll take a guy at like, bantamweight which is 135 and you'll say he beat so-and-so who beat so-and-so who beat so-and-so blah 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 and you go all the way down the line and you say they are better than fedor millionenko right at heavyweight it's obviously satire but it's the mma math is same well he beat so-and-so so therefore he could beat so-and-so yeah mm-hmm. by proxy okay tony stewart beat carl edwards in the 2005 championship on a tiebreaker it might have been 2011 i can't remember okay now, in the race of champions, and, and Carl Edwards beat Michael Schumacher okay. and, and, and eliminated him. Therefore, Luke, you are faster than Michael Schumacher. Thank
1: you. Thank you. I
0: God. think that's
1: the bombshell we're going to end the show on. When do I get my documentary? Looking at you, Netflix. Netflix. <laughs>